excuse me, <laughs> did I just hear you ask me to change? No need to repeat it. My ears automatically go deaf when stupidity is mixed in with the sound wave. But I got to give you credit for the audacity of your request. <laughs> because you accidentally provoked me to get some things off my chest. See, you must not know how long it took me to love me, to accept, celebrate, and embrace all that is in me, to stop criticizing and demeaning the woman God created me to be, to have the courage to show up authentically. And you got the nerve to expect me to code switch, <laughs> to dim my light to switch so my shine is more comfortable for your vision. But darling, I am not a three-way bulb and love is my one and only what. From my Southern drawl to my Cherokee nose to my motherland inspired hips, it's all me. So when you send for me, you gonna get every piece. No matter the stage, I'm bringing Jesus and Memphis with me and I will not change my color to coddle your fear. <laughs> so ain't no more cold switching. And yeah, I'll admit it, at one point in time, I did it. In survival mode, I was with it, but not one soul benefited from me showing up as a watered down version of myself. And since I had to fight my own mind and my own demons just to have the strength to be myself, I will never again show up as nobody else. Took me way too long to feel like I was enough. Whole time I didn't realize that I am entirely too much. El Shaddai in me show up is way more than enough. I'm too much for small minds thinkers. I'm too much for racism covered over as professionalism. Too much for your plan, your way, your path. His promise for me is true, so I guess you'll just catch my aftermath because I will not turn down my light and I won't change the vibrancy of my bulb to make it more comfortable for you. If you can't stand how I shine, then I just ain't the one for you. In case you haven't heard, survival mode for Black women is over, done, and through. This right here be us thriving. This right here, be us living. This right here, be us showing up as God's love. And to be ourselves is the only proper thing to do. So right on, Miss Brown, <laughs> hold the line, because we are the code, and the code will not be changed. <laughs> <laughs> we are the code and the code will not be changed and that ladies and gentlemen is why her last name is word because she come with the words word every time but uh, okay let me start by introducing us okay welcome to mj and the word podcast i am mj <laughs> i am the word dj word to be exact yes that's my real name <laughs> yes it is her last name is actually word and it makes sense because she was born to do this. And so if you all haven't figured it out by now, we are talking about code switching. Yes. Yes. Let's you go there. Reference Miss Brown. So like, can we, can we talk about that? Because everybody might not know what happened to Tabitha Brown and yes. her situation with the Food Network or, yeah. So yeah. maybe start with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So her show it's complicated, complicated is the name of it. She has that show on Food Network. And for those that, that may not know her, please, honey, you are doing yourself a disservice by not following her because she is just the epitome of love. And she's the epitome to me of self-love, you know, and, and just embracing who you are. So her show is, um, I don't know if there's another vegan inspired show on the Food Network. There probably is, but 
but hers is, you know, she's a vegan influencer and that's what her show is about. And so recently, uh, she didn't go into a whole lot of details, but recently her show was switched from a, a prime hour, right? You know, you get that good nighttime time slot. And MJ is funny because we've seen this happen to our people over time in mm. um, mainstream networks where they go from a Tuesday night at eight or nine or Wednesday night to the next thing you know, they start moving the show all around. You can't find it. And it makes the ratings drop and then they, they cut the show. So they switched her show from a nighttime, you know, kind of primetime slot to like a random weekday in the middle of the day. And uh, without going into a whole lot of detail, she basically made it, it made it clear that she was not going to change. She's not going to change who she is. She's not going to change the way she shows up. She's not going to change her culture, her hair, the way she speaks. She's just not going to change those things that are her. And so uh, she, she, that's why I put that line in there, you know, hold that line because that's what she's doing. She's holding the line, not just for herself, but really for all of us. Mm-hmm. She really is. Yeah. And you know what? I respect her even more. Like I already love Tabitha Brown. You know, she's mm-hmm. sweet as pie. You watch her little Instagram videos and her uploads. I don't follow her on TikTok, but I do follow some of her other social media accounts. And mm-hmm. that's what makes her her. Like that's her mm-hmm. signature. And so I just thought it was interesting when the Food Network, they wanted her to change, or I don't know if they wanted her to tone down or exactly what they wanted her to do Mm personality-wise, but I'm like, she wouldn't have made it that far. She wouldn't be the influencer she is today if she tried to be something other than what she was. Exactly. And you know, we've talked about this before. I'm like, which is it, employers? You know, do you want authenticity? Do you want people to show up? as themselves or I mean are we secretly hoping that people conform and code switch to something that we think they should be doing right can't have it both ways like either you embrace the person's authenticity or you know just tell people like hey at this company we expect you to conform (laughs) like they'll never say that but just I mean it's there it's there in the air like just be honest. And, and you know, one of the things that she said when she, because she made a, a video, anybody can go and watch it on her Instagram, but she made a video kind of addressing it. And she always addresses things in such a, you know, such from a place of love, but she's direct, you know, but, but one of the things she said was, if you don't want Tab, you don't want Tab. Like, if you don't want me, don't invite me. Don't, hire me don't work with me if you don't want me and that is one of the things I've never really understood about the expectation that is placed on us to code switch it's like why if you knew who I was you know why, why invite me to your table and you you already know how I dress and you don't want people at your table dressed that way then why did you invite me to the table it just doesn't make any sense so it's like you said about employers it's like which is it? You know, were you doing the thing we do in relationships sometimes where you, you know, you saw some potential and you thought you could change this person into who you wanted them to be? That does not work in relationships. In romantic relationships, it's not going to work in, in, you know, in the jobs, even, even though sometimes we feel that pressure to try and, you know, to, to be something other than we're not, other than what we are. And I commend her so much and respect her so much because that's a different level of pressure. 
you yeah. you on a a, a, a a huge platform now this is your own show you know a lot of people would have just given in to that and and we we've seen it happen we have seen it happen like man, what happened to so-and-so? She's not the same. She didn't used to do this. Or, you know, he didn't used to sound like that. Their whole sound changes, their look changes, everything. And they're just giving in to that pressure. I don't think it's even about money for everybody. I think sometimes for some people, it's just the pressure yes. of Hollywood. It's the pressure of the producers and uh, the executives and the manager, everybody that's got to get paid. That, that pressure that they will put on you to change into something that you really just are not. So, I mean, when I tell you that sister's holding the line, she's holding the line. I appreciate she it. She is. And I will say this too. In pe some people's defense, um, I think a big part of the reason why they code switch, it's like a safety thing. Because mm -hmm. they know if they show up, it's almost like, okay, I'm gonna bring this perception of what uh -huh. you want me to be, I'm gonna live up to that. I'm gonna come uh -huh. in. I'm gonna, you know, oh, good morning. How are you? And you know, when uh -huh. I leave, it's like, oh, all right, cool. I can go turn up some Megan the Stallion uh -huh. in my car or whatever. You listen, but you get what I'm saying? Like it's almost like yeah. it, it's a safety mechanism, so people uh -huh. can feel like, okay, I don't have to try to explain myself every time right. something oh, yeah. different. Yeah. Um, and I, I admit, at one point, I used to code switch. Um, right. quite a, like in one of my previous employers. Um, and I stopped doing it because I used to work with a lot of like international scholars and faculty right. members, students. And I was like, no, you know, they're coming as their authentic selves. They're telling me about their cultures and their experiences. And I was like, no, they need to know what it's like to en engage with the African-American woman in the U.S. Uh -huh. so, you know, I'd start talking like, oh, yeah, you know, Martin Luther King Day. This is why we honor this, you know, day every January and just started really embracing my authentic self. And that's uh -huh. when I noticed, um, you know, I just felt better. It, it didn't feel yeah. like I had to be something I wasn't. So no, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm definitely guilty. I've done it before, uh, you know, starting out as a young professional, but now I'd be like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, and, and I even mentioned that in the spoken word piece, I've done it. And, yeah. you know, so so like you said, I think I agree with that for some people, they're doing it because it's, it's it may just feel easier. Like they don't feel like constantly explaining their blackness and constantly yeah. explaining their culture to people or constantly defending it. OK, so they just switch the code because they feel like that may be easier. And, you know, for me, when I was doing it, like I mentioned in a poem, that it was like survival mode. Like, yeah. OK, I feel like this is what I got to do in order to exist in this arena right here. This is what I have to do in order to be accepted. And, you know, personally, on a personal level, it was just a lot of insecurity for me. It, it was the fact that I hadn't fully embraced everything that is me. I just had not. And so I did. I definitely didn't know how other people were going to take that because I still was struggling with it. You know, I sound how I sound <laughs> when I show, even on the, even on like the spoken word stage, you know, when you get invited to different type of platforms, it's, I, I would struggle with that. Like, because my message comes across how it comes across. It sounds preachy. It's that, you know, that's my tone and I'm not trying to sound like that. But even, even starting out, you know, when I first really started performing um, as an adult, because I used to do it a lot when I was a kid, but as an adult, I even had men tell me that my, my um, 
presentation was too aggressive. Like the way that I did spoken word was just too aggressive and too in your face. And it was going to turn people off. I had other like men tell me that. Mm. And that did something to me like, you know, well, maybe I need to try to change and be something else, you know, especially like if I go to a white audience, how are they going to take this? How, you know, do I need to change my, the way I, um, you know, express myself or whatever, so it can be accepted. But at the end of the day, you hired me. So mm -hmm. me is what you're going to get. And I was able to stop that code switch. And when I finally just embraced me for who I am, like, you know what, this is the way that God speaks through me. This is the way that God shows up through me. This is the way that love looks through me and honey either it's for you or it ain't and if it ain't that's okay we just carry on I'm not changing it <laughs> <laughs> right carry on and here's the thing Here, here's the reality and uh, I had to have this harsh conversation uh with somebody who I know um you know she was just like well maybe if I do this and maybe I'll be accepted I was like here's the thing about workplace cultures <laughs> you can do all of that at the end of the day you are still uh you know a woman of color you are still going to be perceived a certain way by some uh not everybody is going to embrace you just based on that alone right and and um, as right. a, it's unfortunate like and that's why people like me exist and you know <laughs> you know we do the work that we do to try to dismantle that and all that but uh that is just a reality you can coach yeah. with, and it's still not going to necessarily um, get you at a higher level with the organization or get you more respect and all, you know, so I just think you're doing yourself a disservice when you try to be someone else or when mm -hmm. you try to engage in a certain way, that's not true mm -hmm. to you because it's not, for some people, it won't make a difference. That is deep. That is deeper than you know, because you know, I've experienced this in the past where not only does it not get you more respect, it actually gets you less. It, it can put you in a place of being disrespected because certain folks, you know, who, who, who have some little racist tendencies that try to act like they're not racist, um, they, they can view you as one of the, the comfortable Negroes. You know, that's the way they put you in, in, in their mind. They view you as, as that Black person that they can say inappropriate stuff around, okay? Because you're not showing up. You don't, you're not doing the head wraps, all right? You're not doing the big earrings. You're doing what you got to do to try to blend in, right? <laughs> to just try to blend. I've done it. I have, I promise you, I have done it. I have questioned my hairstyles. I have, you know, questioned my hair color and uh, been told things. I, I can remember years ago, young and in, in, uh, before I even became a counselor, being told certain things by, you know, white supervisors about the color of my hair. And then me feeling like, oh, I guess I shouldn't get that color again, or I need to do this or do that. And I wasn't wearing any wild outrageous. You know, it wasn't like I showed up with a rainbow bright head or whatever. But um, I, I think sometimes without realizing it, well, at least that was my experience. Um, it put me in this position where certain people felt like they could say stuff around me. And, and then when I bucked up, hold up, hold up, hold up, because now I'm, I'm reporting you. <laughs> they felt betrayed. Mm. Mm. Yeah. They felt yeah. the betrayal. I, we you didn't know, know you were I, one of them agitators. 
Yeah, I could see that. I could see it being like, wait a minute, you weren't like this before. What happened? You know, um, and so that's why, yeah, like it's it's good to go in from the very beginning, like this is who I am. This mm-hmm. is this is my authentic self. This is how I speak. This is how I dress. Mm-hmm. I like certain foods, I like certain music. I'm not gonna pretend like I don't enjoy these things or right. that this is not part of me in the way I talk. Um Wow, that's interesting though. I never thought about it from the perspective of people can actually respect you less. Mm-hmm. They, they're like, oh, is it like because they perceive you to be a walk think, week or like what is it? Because I, I never so. thought about I think, it. I think that there was a perception of weakness, there was a perception of um submissiveness, mm. a perception of this this one is not going to go against the grain, you know, at all. She's she's going to go along with. She's not going to disrupt the system, because a lot of times they see they view, you know, a woman that's showing up with a certain hairstyle, with a certain style of dress. She's doing her thing. They automatically are like, yeah, she, you know, she one of them woke people. It's it, there are folks in inside and outside the culture that that think that way, and that that would see you as you look like a protester. You know what I'm saying? This is this is the judgment that people pass, and so. When you're doing a lot of code switching, I think that for certain um, types of folks, certain folks, it makes them feel real, real comfortable. And they get to talking around you like they talking at their dinner table. And it's like, hold up, I'm black. Did you not notice that? (laughs) You know, am I I blending in with you that good that you had the nerve to forget that I'm a black woman still sitting here and that's an inappropriate thing to say? Early on in my career, yes, ma'am, I absolutely experienced that. And we can get into this even more mm-hmm. when we talk about, um, you know, when we go into colorism, but oh, yes. it, it, it's already the idea that I am less threatening than you to, mm-hmm. to racist people, okay? And please understand, y'all, we're not talking about all white people. We have already made that clear. It's some, yeah, it's some white people out here that will ride will ride to the end with you so we're not talking about we talking about racist folks okay so there is that idea that um i'm i am less threatening than you are or less intimidating because your skin is darker right (laughs) and i look a little and then somebody that's lighter skin than me you know looks closer to white so there's this idea of that uh which is ridiculous but that's that's the ignorance that's in some people's minds and i think you know, that's already was there. That layer was already there. And so then when I go in with the code switching and I'm just trying to blend in with the team and, you know, not stand out as the only black woman in here. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. the respect level drops. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We don't have to be afraid of her. She's one of the good ones. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and here's the thing now I will say it has worked in some people's favor too and so a lot of people have I mean it's just it depends I guess because when I think about it I, I do think about certain people who I have seen who I know personally code switch and, and they're, they're all they're honest with me about it like yeah when I go to work I don't show up as my whole self like for what <laughs> um but they've been able to advance and kind of stay in their own little bubble it's kind of like mm-hmm. the same thing of you don't know all of me um you're gonna get this side of me and when I leave here 
I'm gonna be another way with my friends and family and, mm-hmm. and I mean, we all engage with different people differently but it's almost like this tactic of I'm gonna be very reserved yeah. and act very in a very specific manner mm-hmm. when I'm face so that I can advance so that I can be safe so that I don't have to deal with any mm-hmm. any questions or backlash um and so I mean like I said I think a lot of it goes down to like just trying to survive the workforce because yeah. people don't know what else to do like well some people yeah some people are just like yeah. I don't know how else to survive in this situation as one of the few yeah. right so yeah and I, I think that was, you know, what maybe kind of throw that line in there is like, mm-hmm. we getting beyond survival mode right now. We, we, we trying to thrive. We trying to live. And if, if that means kick, you know, I got to kick the bucket on your nine to five, then oh, you see black women doing that in droves, you know? And, and I think that, um, you know, there has, something has to be said <laughs> for the fact that when you stop code switching and you, you are who you are, I mean, sometimes you just get leveled as a troublemaker. I mean, I think huh. at some point in our lives, you know, we've both experienced that. Like, they they, they cause trouble. <laughs> not everybody is, is there for that. You know, some people are just trying to go there and get their job done in advance. But I think um, why it's so important to both of us is because our, of our career paths. Like, yeah. as a therapist, authenticity is everything to me like you know it it is my my profession is built on that my Mm -hmm. theoretical perspective is built on that like you have to be yourself and the the problem the reason you have this issue is because it's a conflict between who you really are and who you want to be (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you know that's my 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 career path is built on that and so is yours with DEI is all about acknowledging people's differences and accepting their differences, celebrating their differences and making an equal path or an equitable path for those differences. So like code switching, I think goes against everything that we are just as as people. And it goes against everything that we are to be successful in our profession. So we don't have that option. That's, that's a good point. And you know what? I think that's why it's so much easier for us because people expect it in our field. Whereas, you know, if you work in corporate, you're an attorney or if you're, you right. know, in some of those spaces where it's like, <laughs> you're expected to be like, okay, yeah. everybody, you know, we have to act a certain way, do this, uh, you know, um, I could see it being a lot harder, uh-huh. but no, right. If we were to code switch in our professions, <laughs> people will see right through that and then be like yeah. hey this is some hypocrisy here you telling me to open up me to share um you know how I feel about certain things you want me to engage in these tough conversations and because it requires vulnerability too mm-hmm. like we're doing this kind of work and so authenticity and vulnerability go hand in hand yes. uh, and so oh, if, we're, if we're not modeling that then we could lose people really easy they'll be like no nah. yeah not working with them because they're not even being true to themselves yeah y'all need to tweet that that was tweetable and and make sure you quote mj on that one (laughs) authenticity and vulnerability go hand in hand they really do because you got to be vulnerable when you're showing people who you really are and so for both of us our clients they're not even they 
they're not buying nothing fake. Okay. So it's better for me to show up as me. But but even in that, it was still a struggle for me to get to that place because it's like, you know, am I gonna be accepted as a therapist? Will I lose this client if I, you know, if I'm being myself? If I show up to the session with a head wrap on, how is that gonna come across? Like, is that too much? I mean, there 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 was the struggle of that. And then also being out in in the world of therapy. Um, it, we not black people are not the majority of therapists, you know, <laughs> it, it's mostly white. And so trying to, to even fit into that space, do I need to, to do something different when I go to the conference? Do I need to look a certain way? Do I need to sound a certain way? And I think that because of my profession and because of my field, it is more that I'm celebrated just for being myself. Like, you know, you know, people are like, oh yeah, she's cool. So I can really, really be me. Yeah. And I don't have to try to be anything else. Yeah. And you know what? Can we address this real quick? It's like, <laughs> so remember when I sent you the text message, like the screenshot of Tabitha Brown responding to the lady, because the lady was like, you should be lucky just to have a job. And okay, <laughs> I know you got to take a sip. She called her arrogant. She called her arrogant. And so I think a lot of it too is... And like, I just think about some conversation I've had with some mentors and some, you know, some, some old heads as I like, (laughs) and I don't mean that in a derogatory way or anything. They, they, we joke about it. Like, Oh, one of my old heads, one of my, are you looking out for me? But they will say, Oh, you know, you just got to play the game or, Mm -hmm. you know, they'll give some advice that kind of contradicts showing up as your authentic self. And it's like, okay. And, and, you know, I get it. Like maybe that's, that worked well for them in their careers and that worked for them in life to having to be just, okay, let me play the game. And, you know, but I just, I did not like the lady's response of you should be lucky you even have a job or Mm -hmm. you should be lucky you're, you're arrogant or whatever it was. Um, Because I think we should not perpetuate that. We should be trying to encourage each other to be something we're not like if anything we should like no we're going to show up as ourselves and we're going to support each other in this process too like we're going to like show a unified front like this is us we're not we're not doing that so I just because we can in 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 this generation in this day and time we can we have a lot more freedoms than our people have had historically you know so sometimes you know if you didn't if you didn't switch the code right you that could mean your life that could yeah. mean you have to come a tree that could mean a tree burning in your yard I mean you know for, for booking the system and even then a lot of them still book the system we're like we're not doing that <laughs> we showing <laughs> up but nowadays we have so many more you know so much more um, and we're given so much more. We we've earned so much more. We've learned so much more. And I think it is irresponsible for us not to, um, you know, utilize that the right way and to perpetuate that message of you just need to be thankful you got a job. Why? Why? I mean, thankful to who? I mean, God. Is that what you mean? Because I am thankful God I have God. But you saying she just thankful that you fine. She was doing just fine. That's my thing. I'm like, she got to where she is now, though, being herself yes. because she was so authentic. So I just th- that I think that 
does not help when people advise like, well, you know, you need to just play the game. And, you know, if you have to code switch, that's just what you have to do. That's all a part Mm -hmm. of it. Um, And so I think there's still a lot of that too. And that's Mm -hmm. why I think a lot of people feel the need to code switch when they, they're in certain environments because they've been taught that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, this kind of going back to an earlier episode, but, oh, you got to work twice as hard and you got to do this. And, you know, all of those things. And when you hear that over and over, you can't help but to be like, okay, all right. Right. Tell me I have to work twice as hard. I have to show up a certain way. And after a while, it's like, no, I can tell you now though, Generation Z, they're not having this. I love Generation Z. They are like, (laughs) we're showing up authentically. We want organizations that are socially responsible. We want inclusion. We want equity. We want to feel accepted. We want belonging. They are like, so yep. I do, I see the pattern breaking. Like I see it mm-hmm. getting better in terms of people feeling that they could show up as themselves. Yeah. You know what? I, and I think one of the reasons why that's changing is because it's exhausting it's when exhausting. you're not, it is tiring. Like even having to, <laughs> you know, sit and listen to, to crap and, and, you know, sit in staff meetings and behave a certain way or whatever, not be yourself, having to be around at the company picnics and all of that, and you can't be yourself. And it doesn't mean, you know, you have to just wild out and act like you're the club. I mean, we have a professional face, you know, but that's still, I can be me and professional. <laughs> So it's it's exhausting when you are just constantly trying to fit somebody else's definition of you. And I think that we to make it clear, that's what my idea of code switching is, is when I am trying to fit your mold for me. I'm trying to fit into someone else's definition of what I should be. And that is tiring. Yeah. I, that's tiring. It's draining. Very. And if, if you know, if someone is, is playing the corporate game and they're trying to rise up the corporate ladder and that's what they feel like they got to do, you know, that's one thing. But for people who are like us, like, you know, this entrepreneurial thing and, and we are getting contracts and all of that, listen, no, I'm not. I'm not because this is who I am. And like I said in my piece, I had to fight too hard to get right here. Mm, I have to fight too hard to to listen to the sound of my voice on a recording and not cringe and not think that I needed to change and try to sound some some different some other way you know what I'm saying like I had to fight my own mindset to get where I am I'm not about to change it for you or for no I love that And, and I mean it's so true like because we've talked about our journey and us having to grow and really come to accept different parts of ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I used to be, <laughs> I'm just thinking like when I was a kid, I was kind of like that kid who liked comic books. And like, I wasn't doing all the stuff everybody else was doing. Like, I, I like comic characters. And like, if anybody has seen me, they've seen me dressed up. Like, I, I want to go to Comic Cons and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. And for a long time, I felt bad about that. Like, oh, I shouldn't let people know that I'm like into <laughs> comics and, you know, sci-fi and stuff. But then after a while, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not switching anymore. Like, I can't switch that off. Like, 
right. even when I get to work or in certain environments, I'm still going to love comic books or I'm still mm -hmm. going to love comics. So why pretend like I don't, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and that's just, that's just like one example, but uh, it's exhausting. It's exhausting it trying to be somebody else. Like, oh, I should be more, I should be playing with Barbies instead of playing with, yeah. you know, with Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> like, no, no. You, you know, that's such a good point because, you know, it, it, it just reminds me that code switching starts so early on. Like, I have not even thought about that until you just said that. Like, this is not something that starts in corporate America. This is something that starts very early on where you're getting told or receiving the message that something other than you are is better yes well, something else is better whatever you are then the opposite of that is is the best mm -hmm. and it, it wow like the messages that we receive as children that is so detrimental <laughs> it is and like a lot of people we don't even realize because we don't call it that you know at that age um, but oh, just oh, play with this instead of that, or mm -hmm. no, you have to be this way. <laughs> you know, don't play with the truck. You got to play with the Barbie. And, right. Uh, we're taught like at a fairly early age, like you need to conform to this this norm or this standard in order mm -hmm. to be accepted. So, like, and when you think about it that way, can you really blame a person if they go to a work environment and they're like, okay, let me go switch to survive? Because that's yeah. all they've been taught, like in condition to think that they have to switch from one, from their true person to this temporary person that they're really not, like this isn't really them, but they, they have to go into this mode in order to progress and be seen as a normal yeah. person. And, and it's always switching to the dominant or, or the majority culture. Yes. Because, you know, when you see, a couple of white folks that come to a black church or come to an event that's majority black they're not changing up you know you know changing who they are they're not switching they're just they're just in there <laughs> in mm -hmm. themselves now you do have those people that you know <laughs> appropriate and whatnot but i'm just saying like the, the it's often that we are expected to lean into uh, the European, um, you know, version of things or a more European style of culture or a more white American culture versus the other way around, mm -hmm. which, and that message comes so early on. This, this is part of, you know, I'm thinking back to where you, when we were little, we, there weren't that many black dolls. You know what I'm saying? Like we, it took a long time for us to even get dolls that look like us. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, you just brought this memory up for me, being a little girl and I was playing with some girls in my grandmother's neighborhood and they were all older than I was. So in order for them, you know, to, to me, for me to be able to play with them, I had to follow their rules. And one of the girls had all these Barbie dolls. All of her dolls were white, except for one. She had one black Barbie and they would always force me to take the one black Barbie. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was bad. You know what I'm saying? It was, it was a, it was the weird doll. It was, <laughs> it was the doll that nobody else wanted to have. And I'm the one with, with this beautiful chocolate Barbie seeing it as this is out of place. There's something wrong with this because all y'all got the, the white dolls with the long blonde hair. And so that idea 
um, that something other than you is better starts so young. Yes. It starts so young. Yeah. And I think with, with Gen Z, like you mentioned, they've grown up having better representation. They've, they've grown up being able to look on TV and look in movies and see positive images of themselves and to go to the store and, you know, I, I'm about to be 42. I was part of the transition where I went from, you know, there are no black dolls to, oh my, we got black dolls on the ship. So I've been alive through that. But this next generation or a couple generations after me, they've kind of grown up with that. And so I think that's what makes them be like, no, we're not, uh-huh. Yeah. My black is beautiful or whatever. You even got dolls now with infotigo that you never saw that before. You know, the skin um, disorder that makes your skin uh, lighter in certain parts and I think it's called is it what's it called vitiligo yeah vitiligo what did I say infertigo that's something else vitiligo <laughs> <laughs> but but they got dolls even with that now so, yes, so sure as, as a little child growing up that kind of becomes your norm like seeing um this positive representation that a lot of us just didn't see and so I think that's what makes this diff this generation part of it is what makes them so different like they are not following for that okie doke <laughs> no they're not at all and I love that about them <laughs> like because you know everybody's like oh millennials they're radical I'm like nah, y'all ain't seen nothing yet just wait till Gen Z's start coming to the workforce mm -hmm. and, and there's nothing radical about wanting to show up as yourself and wanting to feel a sense of belonging and you know one thing I'll say too and I think it's really important for people to understand and this is probably its own episode, but how people define professionalism, right? Who, who mm -hmm. defines professionalism? Um, just like we talked about in our last episode with the hair piece, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. black hair is professional. My culture is professional. Mm -hmm. So when you have a certain dominant group saying, okay, these are the norms, these are the expectations, this mm -hmm. is considered professional. Mm -hmm. that's going to play a role in people feeling the need to co-switch as well so mm -hmm. I mean I feel like it's so many different factors mm -hmm. and it's like we need to assess who's setting the norms here if, if we really want to embrace people and have you know a diverse workforce mm -hmm. then we need to look at who's setting the norms yeah. and who's defining what is professional behavior what is professional attire wait you know like if I show up in a dashiki I mean I as to opposed to a, a, a Donna Karen suit I'm just about to go there <laughs> like it shouldn't it shouldn't matter like this is this this is a part of you know my culture and this is what I want to wear exactly um, so we exactly. need to define these things too Yes, because I mean, in, in a lot of cultures, the dashiki is business attire. That's dress. That's dressing up. You know, it is. It's formal looking. It's it's so. I I mentioned that in the piece too. Like, don't come to me calling it professionalism when it's really racism. Don't don't do that. Or when it's prejudice. Or when it's really discrimination, and you are calling it professionalism. I got a problem with that. Yeah. You know, it should be. It it. it it shouldn't be that way. That's insane. It, but like you said, it really is a matter of who is controlling the narrative. Yeah. Who's you setting know? the norms? Who's controlling the narrative? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. something that we have to consider too. 
And that's, you know, part of the work that you and I do, like, okay, <laughs> let's really look at this for what it is, like helping people really assess, like I'm looking at it from more of an organizational standpoint and you're working directly with individuals, mm-hmm. like to help them break it down. Like, hmm, is there more here? You know, mm-hmm. so I just, <laughs> it code switching. I mean, it's actually more complicated than we think yeah. because at first it was just like, oh, you know, it's just people trying to pretend to be one way at work and then they come home and they, they're somebody else. But really, when you think about it, all of that stuff is so deeply embedded and from the time we're children and, oh, no, you need to do it this way. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so embedded in Mm -hmm. expectations and Mm -hmm. not just from the workplace, but from parents, from family members, from school telling you oh no mm-mm. Uh-huh. Oh, for example my dad this and this is kind of like a an extreme example but he's actually left-handed mm. and they forced him to become right-handed wow they forced it it was like he had to switch over exactly because <sighs> most, and this is a good example because most people are right-handed right so he had to conform to the majority. And, you know, at the time as a kid, he probably was like, you know, I, I don't know why I'm being treated this way, but right. what that taught him as a kid is that, you know, you are expected to follow the behavior of the majority and the majority yeah. of people right with their right hand. So when you think about it, it starts really early, like this idea of you have mm-hmm. to follow what the majority do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really sad because, you know, and I know our parents, they they did the best they could because mm-hmm. they didn't know. And I, that's what makes me hate that we're so cut off from our homeland and we're, we're so, we don't know, most of us don't know what tribe in Africa we came from, what country we came from. So we're cut off from some of those traditions and some of those, you know, uh, rituals and the, the clothing, the attire, we just, we don't even know what it is, a lot of us. And so they couldn't teach it to us. So when it was time to tell us to conform to something, it wasn't conformed to the ways of, of Kenya or, you know, of Ghana or, you know, for me, hey, this is what the Cherokee tribe does and that's where you're from. So, you know, you need to conform. This is part of your culture. Like it was conformed to what, what culture were we all being told to conform to? Come right. on. The exactly. majority culture in the United States, the majority <laughs> race here. That's what we were told that, you know, to conform to, which is, and, and in a lot of ways it's sad, but a lot of things about our culture have been um, demonized and weaponized. Mm-hmm. Things that, that we don't even know come from Africa. And then we're told, oh, that's thuggish. That's, you know, that's ghetto to do, you know? I And, and so some of it takes some research and some, and some study on our own part so that we can um get back to those roots and and we can show up even more you know authentically and do the things that we do as a culture but we we got to know what that is and what that looks like right and that's a good point too sometimes it's hard to show up as your authentic self when you don't know what your authentic <laughs> self is right it's like who who are you who am i yeah and that comes with a lot of self-reflection like on a personal level and then Mm -hmm. learning about like you said the culture 
um, learning more about where you come from, more about traditions and just, it, it, I mean, when you really feel, and I've seen several people too, and I will tell you this, this is as a positive, I have seen several people kind of transform over the years and you just see them become more and more comfortable being themselves mm -hmm. and they, they just growing and flourishing. Um, and so there is, there's more to this than just, oh, you shouldn't feel like you have to conform. Like it, it really is like when you are truly able to show up in a space mm -hmm. where it's me and you, if you don't like it, I, I'm sorry for you, but I'm going to keep mm -hmm. being me. I mean, the confidence that comes with that, the just, mm -hmm. it just, people just radiate this, just pure, authentic, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I can't think yeah. of her, but I can say confidence and it just, it, it makes a difference. You can tell yeah. when people are really living in their truth. And so yeah. that's what I am a firm believer in. I really want you to feel comfortable showing up, living in your truth. Think mm -hmm. about it that way. Instead yeah. of just like, oh, let me show up as, you know, my pure authentic self. If you think about it different differently, maybe that will make you feel more comfortable showing up that way. Mm -hmm. Living your yeah. truth. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think too, you know, we gotta point this out that as women, we're we we start getting told so early to to how to perform. You oh, know, yeah. so when you go on this date, behave like you think a wife should. You know, mm -hmm. do the things that, that a girlfriend would do. You know what I'm saying? And so from the jump, you're being you it's not like be yourself and the right man is gonna come to you. It is act a certain way when you go out so you can get a man. Like yes. that's code switching. We code switch in relationships too and on dates and all of that is code switching. Yes. <laughs> Or being told, and I, I would hear this so much, make sure you smile everywhere you go because somebody, a nice man might see you, you know, but what if I don't feel like smiling in that moment? What if I'm, you know, what if I have a headache? I have to keep smiling or, you know, dress a certain way, sit a certain way. Ladies cross at the ankle, not at the at the um, knee. You know, all of these different curtsy, all of these different things that we're taught uh, so early on and I think that that can cause a person to be very confused about who they are what mm -hmm. is the authentic version of yourself and then what if it looks completely different from what your mom and dad told you that it was supposed to be or what your church told you it was supposed to be or your friends or society then you got to go through this whole process of trying to just embrace you yes you figure out who that is so I you know when we started even talking about this episode I didn't even think about just how deep <laughs> this goes but the beauty of it is though when you live free and you show up as yourself when you finally get there I, what I've noticed is that it gives other people the strength and the courage to be themselves too like yes. and I think that's one of the things that makes me a good motivational speaker and it makes me a good therapist because I show up as myself and people can feel it mm -hmm. and they're like man she just she's just all the way on she's just her and they love that and that's something that other people want to seek out like how can I love myself the same way she loves herself and I think that's part of Tabitha Brown's um draw is uh -huh. that you can see that that woman loves who she is she 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 is fully embracing herself and when you do that, you really give other people, you know, some folks need the permission to do that. They need validation to do that. And you, you give it to them when you're doing it yourself. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, I personally, I commend Tabitha Brown. I know it's tough. It's tough, mm-hmm. especially when you feel like, oh, I just got a dream position. Like I'm going to be on the Food Network. Mm-hmm. And then you get that. It's like a slap in the face, almost like, oh, (laughs) can you change this about yourself? It's like, really? Why did y'all hire me in the first place? But I commend her for standing her ground and saying, you know what? This this is me and this is who you're going to get if you want to work with me. So I just have a lot of respect for her. I think she did the right thing. And I don't think, Mm -hmm. I think if anything, more people are going to want to work with her and respect her because of it. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if I could tell everybody, you know, my takeaway from all of this is that who you are is is so valuable and it's way too important for the people you were placed here for, mm-hmm. for you to forget about it and be and try to be somebody else. You do yourself a disservice and you do the people because we're all here for a purpose, right? And who you are is just too important and too valuable and too vital to your purpose for you to try to change it and be something else. Mm-hmm. Yes. so don't just don't <laughs> like I mean and if, if oh goodness because I'm just thinking like I know it varies from situation to situation and you get in these survival modes but just at the end of the day remember it's exhausting <laughs> it's it exhausting. Is. and then there are places out there I, I I really have to stress this too like there are places out there that are willing to embrace you as you are Yes. So, you know, if you're in a situation where you're like, okay, this is temporary until I find Mm -hmm. the next place, just know that they exist. There are plenty of organizations that get Uh it. And just people, not just work, but like people in general, like if you're finding that you have to code switch in a relationship in order Uh to accept it, there's somebody out there who's, who's, who will love every part of you and love your entire whole being. So, yeah. If you if you got to change who you are and you're suffering and you have to change who you are, um, you haven't found your people yet. Not yet. Quite plain, plain and simple. You have not found your people and you have not found your place yet. Not yet. <laughs> that ain't yet. That ain't it. Where you are right now. If you got to change who you are, those are not your people and that is not your place. Period. Yeah. Period. That's a quote too. That's a quote. Yeah, I'm putting that on Twitter later. I'm right. Twitter. <laughs> well, this was good. Like, I enjoyed this because it, it did help me really think about color switching in a different way, too. Like, I never thought about some of the different aspects that you brought up. And I was like, oh, yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, we just got to keep dropping knowledge on folks and, and getting them to think. <laughs> yes, that's what it's about. And thinking and then changing your thinking when necessary, you know, learning and unlearning. I mm-hmm. said, like unlearning can be just as important as learning sometimes yeah. and we have to unlearn these certain behaviors that you know may have been taught to us like oh you have to behave this way do this you know it's like sometimes no right that, that's not the best way yeah because I'm Absolutely. not doing any favors <laughs> totally agree totally agree with that all right well you want to close us out sis all right y'all <laughs> keep in touch with us stay tuned make sure you're following us on all the social media platforms mj and the word podcast is where you can find us we drop new episodes every week um if you like to watch the full video you can definitely head over to our youtube page go ahead honey 
and hit that follow and that subscribe. Go on and just do it. Hit those follow and subscribe buttons, okay? Because you don't want to miss us as we head towards uh, the conclusion of our first season. Um, there's so much more in store, so you don't, you do not want to miss out. And just remember, in all things, you know what? Show up as love. Show up. Uh, let God show up in you, and that means you have to show up authentically. There is no other way. Mm-hmm. Yes, Amen. Yes. All right, y'all. <laughs> Until next time.